755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic, with my co-host, as usual, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's happening out in uh, Seattle, Eric? I'm good. It's raining a little bit, but baseball's coming, so oh, finally going to have something to talk about on here. Oh, what a sense of relief. Good for everybody. I mean, <laughs> I mean, everybody's still apprehensive, I think. Most people are about, are they going to be able to play? And that was underscored yesterday by developments yesterday. Just the fact, though, that we have the mechanism in place to play this thing and the schedule and all that. Well, we don't have a schedule yet, but it's coming soon. Um, but guys are showing up. Guys are in town now getting tests and all of that. So, I mean, we're moving ahead. And that is a great sense of relief for everybody. Because for, for a while there, it really looked like this thing might get banged before it ever got off the ground. But and who knows? Maybe it still will. And to that to that end, we have a very special guest here today. Britt Giroli, uh, the Nationals writer for the for the Athletic, and Britt broke a story yesterday about the first opt outs. We knew there'd be some opt outs. I'm surprised there haven't been more so far. The NBA's had quite a few, and they've had some big named opt outs in the NBA too. I mean, it's changed the whole uh, outlook. I mean, a lot of people are not picking the Lakers to win the whole thing now after their opt outs. But anyway. We had our first in the in, in MLB yesterday, and Britt broke the story because two of the four opt-outs yesterday were from her team. The World Series champion Nationals had Joe Ross and Ryan Zimmerman both opt-out. And then later, uh, Mike Leake from the D-backs opted out, and Ian Desmond was the fourth of the day from the Rockies, and that was a real shocker to a lot of people. But anyway, we'll start with the Nationals guys, and, and, and Britt, just... I think the perilous nature of this baseball season was kind of underscored is how I viewed it yesterday with these announcements. Um, You weren't real surprised, at least about Zimmerman, right? Right. Zimmerman's been writing like an AP diary um, every Uh week or so. And his last one, he kind of admitted, you know, I'm on the fence. So you weren't super surprised about that. But I was really surprised about Joe Ross because here's a guy who um, hasn't made the millions that Zimmerman has made about. 140 150 million dollars over his career he had signed a two million dollar deal you prorate that 37 percent for the season um that's just not a lot of money for a guy like that right um but joe ross on the other hand was supposed to be the nationals fifth starter he had a great spring training he's made just over five million dollars in his career but more than half of that came in 2011 for his signing bonus so he's not a guy who's got the financial security he's not a guy who has the security even roster wise and had he gotten another year of service time guys um had he not opted out he'd be a year closer to free agency so um of, of all the guys who opted out to me that's the one that you're like wow that that's that's brave. That's really courageous. Uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of veterans, guys who have 10 years in, guys who are vested in the pension plan. Uh, Joe Ross is none of those things. And yet he still said, you know what? I can't do this. Did he give any reasoning? Well, he didn't. Um, he hasn't made a statement yet. He was supposed to yesterday. His agency had told me, and, and he still has not. But honestly, Eric, um, you're kind of kind of looking at his background a little bit. His parents are both doctors. You got an ER nurse yeah. and a pediatrician. You wonder if that played into Probably. it. Um, does he have a high risk family member? Maybe. Um, but yeah. certainly, 
he's aware of everything going on. He did take Ian Desmond's Instagram post, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to later, and he posted it as well and said, one of the best teammates I've ever had. So you get the sense that maybe it's not just about um, the pandemic and the, the health and safety there, but also part of some of the social injustices and some of the, the other things that are going on in our country right now. I think, you know, and this is obviously getting speaking without knowing his background. Cause like you said, he could have a family member that we don't know about who could be high risk, but I think in his case, it might just be a, uh, an example of a guy who's just a lot better informed than some of us. Cause his parents are both <laughs> obviously can tell him exactly what the risks are and that kind of thing. And maybe he looks at it as, you know, the financial, what he's leaving on the table just isn't worth it to him. And he'll, he, he thinks he'll still, he's still confident that he'll become a free agent and, you know, get his pension and all that. But man, I don't know. That's a, that one, I gotta, I gotta step back and go, unless he's really that worried about getting it himself. That one, that one really shocks me. You're coming off and you're playing for the world series champions too. I mean, with a chance to, who knows, repeat anything can happen in a short year. So, I don't know. That one That one surprised me. Zimmerman did not for the reasons you cited. He's a guy at the end of his career and a guy that, frankly, if I'd made $140 million and I'm only going to make you know, $740,000 this year and I've got little kids at home and all that, I don't know. I would have had to – if, if there's any chance that, I'm gonna, that this is going to be my final year anyway and I'm not going to play a whole lot, I might have done the same thing as him. Right. And his mom has multiple sclerosis and right, Zimmerman right. has started this big foundation. You know, he had kind of said, if I play, I might not be able, I can basically sign up to not see my mother for weeks after the season ends. I think that factored yeah. in as well. Um, yeah. So certainly you're right. There's a lot more reasons when you look at some of these other guys, the Joe Ross thing. And I heard from, from people in the game yesterday that were, you know, one blown away and two were like, wow, this is a, you know, this is a move that other guys may follow, that other guys may look at it, like you said, Dave, and go, wait a minute, does he know something we don't know? Should we be more concerned? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. to me, that could be a domino that has even more impact than some of these other bigger name guys. Yeah, I think it will. I mean, most guys can relate more to that than they can to the superstar who's made $140 million and it's not leaving anything on the table. So, that, you know, it, it really it's no consequences for him. And like I said, he's not going to – if he can't see his mom until a few weeks after the season ends, after he quarantines and all that, because she's got MS, he's not going to get near her. Right. He, he's, he's afraid he'll kill her, so he's not going to get near her. So people might say, oh, what are you, mama's boy? No, if your mom has MS and you're not sure about her, how long she'll live and you want to see her, you know, and you see her on a regular basis, that's a damn big deal, man. And you and like you said, you don't need this money. You're set up for generations to come. The money you've made, if you've invested this, that's generational money for three and four generations to follow you. Yeah, he's good. Tot totally. <laughs> and like you guys have probably heard this, and and maybe uh, you as well, Eric. But like, they're not the only ones that have been on the fence. They're not going to be the only players that opt out here. They're that's just the first wave. You. And, and the Nats might have a couple more guys on the fence too, right? Which is, I mean, if they're the World Series champions. Yeah, they have at least two or three other guys that I know of who are very on the fence about it. What a lot of guys are kind of waiting on, I get the sense anyway, is how exactly this is going to work. There's so many hoops to jump through, and I think guys yeah. are kind of waiting, and the second it goes bad or they don't right. feel safe, they're out. 
so it's a lot easier to say, hey, we tried and everything fell apart than for these first wave of guys to say, hey, we're not playing. We opted out. So I think there's a lot of guys not hoping it doesn't go well, but really watching closely. And the second they're uncomfortable, they're just going to pull out of this whole thing. And another factor is if you're like a veteran dude, like Zimmerman's body's beat up. You've seen him, you know, all his shoulder issues, yeah. everything he's gone through. Oh, yeah. It's going to be so much harder this year for guys to take care of their bodies with with all those protocols to, you know, training rooms and time you have to spend at the yard, not being able to hit on the field. For him, it's probably just like, you know, I don't want to go through all that. And and it's already hard enough to feel good every day Um, with all the money in the bank. I mean, you know, me personally, I would probably I'd probably just tell my family to stay home, you know, uh, especially for just two months, two months a season. I just tell my wife and kids, like, let me if, if I had a higher salary you know a high salary for my career um i'd say i'm gonna go get it you guys just stay home stay safe and and i'll go play and it just facetime for a couple months but i definitely wouldn't bring my family even you know even if it wasn't a lot of money and i was gonna play i probably wouldn't bring my family this season yeah i mean they gotta be out in the community the family and they're just gonna stay in a rented house or apartment for three months you know they're gonna go to the grocery store they're gonna do all these things and you're gonna be worried about who do they come in contact who do my kids come in contact with today you know you just don't know there's too many variables and what's your wife's state of mind gonna be staying at home and you know just in some apartment you're renting with with two or three young kids just bouncing off the walls i mean i think everybody's having a hard enough time at, at home in their home city with you know, a lot of people have a yeah. mother-in-law or, or their, their parents helping out with the kids and stuff. And it's, it's, or they know where the parks are and that kind of yeah. thing, you know, I mean, you're an unfamiliar city. You're, yeah. Yeah. That's screwed It's up. hard enough for uh, them to travel as is with this all going on. I, I definitely want them to stay home. i tell you what though, Britt, if there's people on the fence, man, if I'm a guy, if I'm a player, if my teammates going back out of this thing, I want them to do it at the start of camp, not, not a week before the season starts. Cause that would piss me off. If people started bailing well into camp, you know, when you're getting ready to start the season to me, that would be like, you couldn't have done this at the start of this and just let us know. So we can make, you know, when we're doing the 60 man roster and signing some, you could go sign some of these guys that got released or didn't get put on 60 man pools. Well, that's going to so happen. I would though. say you got to do. Uh, yeah. That would piss me off though if I was if, if teammate did it right when the season was beginning or at, a week before, but uh, I yeah we're getting to uh, D- Ian Desmond man I y- y- this Instagram post that he put up if you if you if you folks haven't seen this I would urge you to go online and read this because it's well worth your time this guy poured his heart into this and I thought he's encapsulated so much of what's going yeah. on right now, not just in baseball, but in the country, more, more importantly in the country. And, and it came from a place of, you could tell that there was no PR people involved in writing this because it meandered. It went, it was kind of disjointed, but it was so impactful. And you could tell it was so much more powerful because it didn't come, it didn't come across as being put together by a PR person. It came across as a guy pouring his heart out and just typing this, you know, trying to explain to people why he's opting out of this, but also where his head's at. And I just thought it was brilliant. I mean, it was just heartfelt. Yeah. I mean, it was just raw. Yeah. Uh, like you yes. said, and and he's a guy who was a former national and, you know, a lot of the nationals players have kind of taken to social media. I mentioned Joe Ross, um, Sean Doolittle, a bunch of guys and, and really just commented on, you know, how Ian Desmond is as a person and how yeah. important it was for someone to kind of speak up here and say, Hey, listen, I'm worried about my health and safety, but also I got a whole lot of other problems going on uh, as a biracial man in America right now. And I've got kids at home 
that need me, that need to be around. So yeah. I think it added another element. And, you know, like we're talking about, are other guys going to opt out? Um, does it become now more of a social justice movement than even a health and safety issue? Uh, does it become yeah. a combination of the two? That's what fascinated me the most about reading Ian Desmond's post. That's especially big in the NBA because obviously the NBA is like 75% black and they've had several guys come out and go, the timing is right or is not right for us to play. Other guys have gone the opposite way and yeah. said, no, we need to play because yeah. we got more of a platform, but they're, uh, but it's much bigger deal in the NBA because there's so many more blacks. And like a guy like Van Fleet came out and said, I'm playing because my teammates are, but if they will come out and say, we're not, I, we shouldn't play or we're not going to play. I'm, I'm full on. Let's just not play. I thought that was a pretty honest assessment of it too, because that's where I would be. I think is like if my teammates are playing, I'm going to play, you know. But if they don't want to play, I am full on with let's not do it, you know. If if you're black in the NBA and you feel like you know, you know, Dwight Howard said the same thing, you know, it's not the time to play. I don't know with Dwight Howard, I can't. I got to take everything he says with a grain of salt. But there's some guys who really are concerned about is this the right message to send you know, in the NBA, but they're going to have like Black Lives Matter on both sides of every, all three courts down at uh, Wide World of Sports. They're going to have the, they're going to allow the players to put messages on the back of, instead of their names on their jerseys. So sports have really come a long way in, in the, what they're doing. I mean, because there wasn't long ago when no league would have, would have allowed Black Lives Matter anywhere in, in any of the, the official uh, logos, that kind of thing for fear of turning off a segment of their end of their uh, fan base and they don't care right now. I mean, you know, right. or, you know, it's a popular movement right now. So they're going, look, we're, we're, it's time to, to, you know, put something ahead of just profits. I think in 2016, when Colin Kaepernick first came out in need and, and Roger Goodell, you know, and the league separated themselves from that, that it was a good business decision. Right. I think in 2020, it's a good business decision to get on board with all of this. I think it's such a strong push now that I don't think these people at the top guys have changed right <laughs> fundamentally as people. Right. I think they right. can just tell which way the wind is blowing and they're exactly. like, we better be on the right side of this. Exactly. Exactly. You said it better than yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much sums it up. So, um, yeah. So Ian Desmond, he had a, his lengthy Instagram posts. He cited several reasons. You alluded to some of them. He had a wife at home with young children. I think four. He's got another on the way. Plus his desire to be home to answer his son's questions about this ongoing fight for equal rights and justice for blacks. So he cited all of that. And also his visit he made recently, we'll get into that a little bit, to Sarasota, the old little league where he used to play. So, but um, each of these four guys either has well, at least three of them do, multiple young children and or a pregnant wife, or in the case of Leek, a father who's been paralyzed from the waist down since an accident in 2013. I got to think that had a big part to play in it too, because I'm not, I'm no doctor, but I know a lot of people with paralysis, that kind of thing. They can also have uh, immune systems that are, are affected, right? Especially if the spine's involved. Well, just in general, you know, you're going to be less healthy if you're not able to move and, and do a lot sure. of things. So sure. I mean, that's, it makes sense that he'd be compromised. And he wants to help his father because he, he's always there. His dad's in the Phoenix area. So he helps his dad, you know, with everything. Yeah. So, and if, and if there's any chance that if doctors told him it's probably best you're not around your dad during this period, then again, that's another case where you go, well, screw that. I'm not playing then. You know, I can fully see that. Right. Exactly. And then there's the whole like elephant in the room, right? Are they actually going to get this season going? So 
You know, it's, it's players are kind of juggling all of that too. They could play 10 games and shut it down. They could not get out of spring training. Um, yeah. I think for a lot of guys, just making a decision is, is probably just alleviates all of this like stress and unknown, right? That we're all experiencing everyone who relies on the game. It's been, I don't know if this has happened to you guys, but everyone's like, Oh, aren't you so bored right now with, with no baseball? It was stressful. Uh, it was not bored and fun and let's go to the beach and, and, you know, no, vacation. not at all. <laughs> it, yeah. it was constant You're trying to come up with stress. stuff to write and worry and yeah, about other things. Yeah, it was constant yeah. stress and this kind of hanging thing over your head and wondering, you know, what's going to happen with your livelihood and your job and, you know, your career. <laughs> and I think right. that, you know, for a lot of these guys, just making the decision, a lot of them don't even expect the season to get played either, which is, you know, another big part of this. Well, I hope they don't know something we don't. I hope they don't know something that we do not know. <laughs> I, you know, just in general, I think it's really important, though, just for our country. I mean, you know, I've really missed live TV, and the only thing to turn on as far as live TV goes right now is the news. You know, sports sports helps so much just to take your mind off things, have something to watch. Um, what, MMA's not doing it for you? USC? It's once a week, you know. But, God. You know, 8 o'clock at night comes around, you want to watch a ball game or something like that, you wind up turning on the news and it's just it's just downer every time. You know, it's it's tough to be in reality 24-7 with what's going on in our country. Man, when you turn on the UFC, all I can think when I – and I don't watch it, but when I tune to it or I watch the highlights, all I can think when I look at the mat, the ring, it's covered in blood. Yeah. And I'm going – how are they doing this? Well, they're testing everybody. <laughs> you know, many... they're doing the they're doing what they have to do. But right, a bunch of them the first round were tested positive and were yeah. out of it. But yeah, I mean, guys after the fact can test positive. Well, anyway, it's a. But I think UFC's barbaric. Oh, I love and it. I know, and I, <laughs> I, I, and I and this is a guy who loved <laughs> boxing, grew up watching, loving boxing when it was still uh, the sweet science. You know, I mean. It, and and they're pounding the hell out of each other. And I know what happened to my hero, Muhammad Ali, because he took so many pounds. But I just think UFC is a whole different level of barbarity. You know what got me into it was Conor McGregor just talking all that shit, talking smack all the time. And, well, yeah, he's entertaining. And I, I think just in right. general, if baseball, if you can get new eyes on the sport, it'd be really good for it because you might you might have somebody watch Absolutely. Mike Trout or watch Scherzer dominate for the first time and, and just be drawn into it. And you could, you could kind of catch a lot of fans for life um, just with the exposure is really good. So, you know, I've thought that this Peter whole time, Moylan. if they can just get the game going, it, it could really help baseball. Peter Moylan said that game that the proposed opener between the Nats yeah. and the Yankees, which would be the only game on the 23rd that Everybody night. Everybody be watching that. Moylan said – Moylan said 300 million people might yeah. watch that. And I don't think he's exaggerating maybe by tenfold, but there might be whatever, uh, if, but there might be five times the normal rate, for, uh, the normal uh, uh, viewership of that game. Seriously. There's going to be so many people. And sh- in you know, Scherzer's stuff. animated enough and, and he's got enough going on yeah. when he pitches to, to really draw in some people and, and Cole, maybe catch some eyes. Yeah. Cole too. Is Cole going to be ready? Yeah, he'll be ready. <laughs> Cole and Scherzer, come on, man. That's going to be – Can't ask for much more Must than that. watch. It's going to get World Series-type viewership numbers. Yeah. Guarantee you. Yeah, absolutely. And the last time they saw him, he was, Garrett Cole, he was yep. on the Astros in the World Series. Yep. So there's so many yes. elements to it, right? Yeah. Um, there's so many elements to it. And I agree with you guys. I really hope that we can see that because that's what you miss the most, yeah. you know, those kind yeah. of matchups, the musty stuff. And I mean, sure, there's sure there's going to be foaming at the mouth yes. uh, with a game yeah. like that to, to return. I think the biggest issue you're concerned about probably, and you could speak more to this, Eric, would be the, the injury concern with these guys yeah. in getting We've ready in such a, a tiny little window, right? 
Um, so certainly, as long as they're okay, I think, you know, making sure Scherzer and Cole don't overdo it in their first, you know, live VP session or whatever coming back, um, as long as there are stars on these teams and we don't get to a point where there's so many opt-outs and injuries that it's watered down, I think baseball has a huge opportunity for a platform. It does. The injury thing, you know, it's we've talked about it on here before, but it's just so hard to replicate, you know, game intensity through live BPs or whatever guys have been doing. So, I mean, you'd be pretty worried. I guess you just you don't know what guys have been doing at home. You know, you see some videos of guys just they made a makeshift mound in their backyard and they're throwing with a, a test dummy and a net uh, that just doesn't get your adrenaline flowing like a real game. So. You know, the adrenaline's not going to be there with empty stadiums either, but yeah, it's it's going to be a big risk for hamstrings and quads and obliques and things like that. But hopefully, you know, hopefully everybody just gets ready and stays healthy. Scherzer, knowing those two, Scherzer uh, and how cautious the Yankees be, I think Cole might go two innings in that game and Scherzer might go eight. Scherzer could go 11. <laughs> knowing the two guys. But uh, uh, I think uh, what I, it was really interesting, Alex Anthopoulos was kind of a – not on the forefront, but but the first one to kind of announce what I think is, a, is going to be a trend, which I think you've you've seen some other teams hint at since then. But Alex said when we talked to him last week that he made it he made this known that they're going to look at at least the first two two times through the rotation going only two or three innings with their starters. In other words, they're going to be overly cautious because of all the things yeah. you've just said and what we've talked about. So the Braves can do that. And, and some other teams can too, because they have, they're like seven or eight deep with starters. These other kids coming up, you know, Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, uh, Tukey, they've all made starts. They have Newcomb and, and Felix, King Felix competing for that fifth spot. All of a sudden, and Cole Hamill's back, he's got like eight starters. So they're planning to have just piggyback. Starter go two or three innings, piggyback. Yeah. So when it, you'll have another guy, you'll have Kyle Wright come in and go two or three more innings. So that's how they're planning to go through it, at least through the first two weeks of the season. And uh, you could see that linger if it's successful too, because they've got you get thirty man roster yeah. to begin with, then it's going to go to twenty eight after two. That'll kind of cut back on it because those probably two pitchers will probably be the ones that go. But you're going to see that I think from most teams early on, piggybacking and using multiple in effect starters or long relievers go, you know, the first uh, two or three innings a piece, the first couple of times through the rotation. Yeah, you're going to have to play it safe. Yeah. And, and that's, that's interesting. I, I, um, I guess I missed that, but like when you look at the yeah. Nats, they're a team that's like, they're predicated on the strength of their yeah. starting staff. And that's right. perhaps where you right. miss Joe Ross because they're going to need more than two or three guys yeah. um, to get through this. And they did upgrade their bullpen, but you're still going to need, like you said, seven or eight deep on the rotation. And that's where, okay, Ross can't go. They have Eric Fetty, they have Austin both, but now you have someone who wasn't going to be in the plans now in the plans. So it kind of creates that ripple effect. So it's fascinating. Yeah. It's not going to be anything resembling a normal rotation. I think uh, for the first couple of weeks, at least with the Braves and a lot of other teams that can, can have guys piggyback like that. And then you can swap them around depending on if another team's lefty or righty intensive. You could have one of those piggyback guys make the next start through and that guy switch and go, you know, the fourth, fifth innings. So, and then if the Braves can get through five or six innings, then they've got the bullpen. They've got the best bullpen that they've put together in, you know, a decade and a half at least since two, 2002. So they're real confident when they, if they can get through those first five or six innings. They love what they've got in those last three or four innings. So we'll see. But I think you're going to see a lot of that early on at the – the use of pitchers is just going to be nothing normal because of the uh, 
the lack of preparation. Teams have started to say they're going to have two or three, maybe, if that, exhibition games at the end of this three-week summer camp, they're calling it. But before that, it's just going to be inter-squad. live VPs, some inter-squads, yeah. But you're only going to see two or three games tops, and it's probably going to be playing like – like uh, like the Nats could play the Orioles, you know, or the New York teams yeah. could play each other. Or you could play the team you're going to open with. You know, you could go in a couple of days early and play them, that kind of thing. But you're not going to fly somewhere just to play a game, exhibition game against a team. Yeah, you could play like the Braves could just play Gwinnett. They'll they'll be able to field two teams, you know, they, they could do it that way. But they're already going to be doing that. And that's, that's kind of the difference is that intensity jump once the season starts and it's for real. Yeah. Um, but – you know, or whoever they're opening against, you know. Yeah, but you don't want to do that right before the season starts. You don't want to. You might no. have to. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but, I mean, it just depends. But you know, the inner. You know, we talked about the uh, having the satellite squad, as they're calling it, or the alternate squad. You know, it's not the taxi squad. That's technically the term they're going to use for the three man group that can go with the team on the road. Um, but that alternate or satellite squad, they're really not going to have enough game. Uh, when I looked at the breakdown of the Braves roster, they're not going to have enough guys. And most teams aren't to have full on inter squads. Cause you're not going to have enough position guys to have inter squad games with that satellite team. Unless you throw in a bunch of coaches, bullpen catchers, that kind of thing. You can't have other guys in camp who aren't on the 60 man roster. Yeah. But you can yeah. just throw it- nine guys out there, you know, and, and just rotate pitchers and, and have them play on both sides. Yeah, and you have yeah. three or four hitters getting yeah. there at bats and then sure. they go play the field. I mean, you can sure. make it work. It, it definitely won't simulate right. a real game, but right. it, really you want the you want the game speed. You want pitchers full effort and you gotcha. want hitters having real at bats. Yeah. And I'm sure they're going to be doing a lot of that. Yeah. And they made sure they had seven. It surprised some people that they had seven catchers, but I think most teams have that many or close. You have to. But that's what you're going to – yeah, you're going to take that. With all the bullpens, all those pitchers. Yeah. they got 30 pitchers on the 60-man yeah. – out of the 56 that they've got on the 60-man pool. 30 pitchers. Right. It's basically Seven spring pitchers. training again. Yeah. But even yeah. – sometimes in some cases, even more. I don't yeah. know if some of these clubs beyond <laughs> yeah. the first, yeah. like, week had that many pitchers, you know? Right, um, right, right. And they all got to throw. So it's, right. Yeah, so it's fascinating. And then they have, like, the – one person who's going to be designated to be in control of kind of the disease prevention and, you know, all that's going to entail with the 60 people that are at one site or whatever, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's an interesting undertaking and I'm not sure anyone still has it figured out in terms of how are we going to make this work, you know, not just at our regular site, but at our alternate site so that we have these guys right. available and ready and healthy. There's just so much involved. The logistics are just mind-numbing. I would hate to be a bench coach or uh, like a minor league oh. coordinator. Anybody in charge of all this, it would, it would be such a headache to try to to try to sort it all out. Just so out of their comfort zone. Yeah, man. There's a. I, I'm doing a story, by the way, on this uh, this kid. There, there there's going to be, you know, in the Braves 56, you know, and they and they and they left. Most teams left. I, I think the Yankees only had like 30. Somebody only had like 30. 47 on theirs out of 60. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it might have been the Yankees. Anyway, teams left at multiple spots in case they want to sign some other guys that get released or not put on 60-man pools with other teams. And also, they can always you can add to it, but you can't subtract guys because if they go off, they can't come back on. So the Braves can always add two or three more like their recent draft picks, and they'll do that if they don't pick up other guys and get to 60, the full complement. But that's why they only had 56 to begin with for teams for people that were wondering why teams – why wouldn't teams just start with 60? You know, another thing is there, there's some veteran free agents out there that can get through two months. You know, you might not want to make that commitment on them for a full season. 
but yeah. you know, a lefty reliever yeah. or somebody like that, you could you could just oh, pick sure. up and and try to get through this season with, and they could really contribute, and you wouldn't have to pay them too much. Yeah, agreed. I think when you kind of look at the roster, there's guys who were mass released there. Yeah. I think it was maybe like a week or two ago. These clubs were releasing all these players, so there's a huge pool. And like you said, like, do they need these guys who were like, you know, going to be the fifth starter at AAA? Well, yeah, now they may need these guys because they are going to need this depth. So it's yeah. an interesting kind of skill set that, you know, they may need you now just yeah. as a function of the fact that they can have so many guys in their system. Yep. Yeah, I, I was, I, but I was, uh, what I was starting to say, and then I got sidetracked. I'm doing a story on this kid, Logan Brown, that the Braves have. He's a catcher. Uh, I guess you would say he's the seventh catcher out of their seven, but this is a kid who started last year. He was a 35th round draft pick out of Southern Indiana, where his dad also played like decades ago. Dad was Kevin Brown, not that Kevin Brown, the catcher Kevin Brown, who, who played like seven years in the majors. But his dad also played at Southern Indiana, so that's what, and his mom was a tennis player, so that's why this kid went there. 35th round pick a couple years ago in 2018. Starts last year in low A, finished a year in high A, and now he is going to be in the 60-man pool. And, uh, you know, it, which for him is huge because rather than, you know, they're not having any minor league season and this guy's really just having a lost year. This is a kid who can spend two or three months with major leaguers learning from all these catchers and coaches there. So this, so there, there are cases we've talked about how it's a lost year for so many minor leaguers and it's terrible for the development. There are guys like this, though, there's going to be, it could be a huge for a guy like that. Yeah. That, you know, you being around veterans too, one thing that people don't, don't yeah. really grip is. Baseball is such a visual sport, you know, like a visual mm -hmm. visualization is so big in baseball. Um, you know, one guy can just say one little thing, you know, his thought mm -hmm. process on his slider. You know, like he could say, I, I just hold it like this and I pretend I'm doing a karate chop on my curveball. And it sounds stupid, but it clicks for one guy. And he holds on to that visual. And that's what he thinks about when he throws his curveball. Rick Ankiel gave me one of the best curveball um, breaking ball tips I've ever gotten. He said, I just want to be really short in the back. So I get my arm up uh -huh. and I get out front and I've rode that for two seasons. I had a really good slider just thinking about that. Um, and veterans usually, wow. they usually have kind of the best filtered out visuals that, that seem to play with a lot more guys. Um, so you could have a guy kind of skip, skip through a couple stages and, and just get a really good tip from a veteran and, and really grow this year. And, you know, it's just, there's uh -huh. just unlimited amount of little tips like that, that veteran guys can give these guys. So if you got a really big prospect that was just going to be maybe going to instructs or something, and now he's got right. a chance to hang around some guys with four or five years in the big leagues, it's, there's no doubt it's going to be beneficial. Yeah. And a guy like Jared Schuster, their first oh, yeah. round pick, you know, he's from out of Wake Forest, their college season gets banged. The major, the minor league season gets banged. But he is going to be – it could be – he could profit so much more out of pitching in these exhibition – or, or uh, scrimmage games and working with major league pitchers and, and just working on his game every day and on his pitches than he would pitching in uh, rookie ball or low A, you yeah. know, and, and not risking the yeah. injury. And being in a really concentrated group because when you're in spring training, you kind of right. just pass each right. other and say hi in the halls. But yeah. spending, you know, 60 days in a clubhouse, whatever they're doing, whether it's inner squads or whatnot, but spending that amount of time and getting to know guys where you kind of have have those conversations that are a little deeper than you know just the surface stuff like hello what's up um yeah. you guys could really benefit from that that's that's why i was thinking early on you might see a lot of prospects on these rosters yeah alex told me that there could be more added to it so but they have a few on there like their top 10 or 12 prospects are all on there some of the guys already have major league experience they're all yeah. in the 60-man group 
but then some others could be added. Uh, you know, if, like I said, if they don't fill out that roster, but uh, I, this kid I talked to, I tell you what, it's also refreshing when you don't, you know, you don't talk to many young guys like that. And you know, you don't do many stories like that unless it's early on in spring training before the big guys arrive. But what a refreshing to talk to this kid yesterday, 35th round pick. And to hear the excitement in his voice, yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you get so used to guys just being not really jaded, but just kind of, you know, it's the same old, same old, you know, and they're kind of grown, grinded down from the game and all that. And they're just there plugging away. This kid <laughs> is that. just, he's so <laughs> fired up and excited, man. It's like Christmas for this kid. Yeah. We'll yeah, that's awesome. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, just one other thing. Desmond, 34 years old, 11-year veteran. This is a guy, he's no superstar, but he's a damn good player. Yeah, he he's hit at least 20 homers six of the last eight seasons. Uh, averaged 22 homers with the Nats over a four-year span through 2015 before going to the Rangers for a year, then the Rockies for the past three. But he cited, like you said, his bi- biracial man. He cited his experience, how he's experienced prejudice throughout his life. Something that struck me, he caught, he talked about in high school – he was like one of two players on a on a t- on a high school team. His guys would get together and do their the ready break that kind of shit, you know, team and all that. And they would go white power at the end of their. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. That, I couldn't believe that. I'm like, what the hell was that? I know, and like in Sarasota. I mean, yeah, exactly. There are like little moments, right? That that's what hit you. I think about. Post was it was so personal. Like like they had to have a meeting when him and his sister were gonna attend a school. Like, oh my god, we got two biracial people coming to school. Gotta prepare for that. Like we're in the two thousands that when this happened. You know that that stuff's always it's weird because there's in a clubhouse there is there's pretty much there's no limit to what you can say in a clubhouse. I mean everybody has thick skin. Yeah. And he called that out too. Exactly. And you know, I maybe I didn't do a good job answering this last time we talked about it, but I you know, you don't ever consider being outnumbered and not really having a choice to to not be offended or upset by that type of stuff when it happens because everybody's laughing and it's all good times. But right. a lot of those jokes just kind of right. fly under the radar and you never really know. You know, that's the first time I've heard a guy really acknowledge like that shit really bothered me. Even even uh-huh. though everyone's laughing and having a good time and thinks you're cool with it. Being outnumbered, you know, especially in baseball, the the numbers are it's mainly Latins and white guys. I could imagine, you yeah. know, that that would be pretty tough for a lot of guys. And I saw so much of it through my career and just didn't think twice about it. You got to wonder if more guys are going to think twice about it now with what I going definitely on the would country. now. They've got yeah. to, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the point. He called out the he called out the culture right. home, homophobic, bigoted. Uh, just he called out at all the all the jokes that he hears and all that. And I think most guys are probably like you just said, they just accept it as part of the culture. But I think more guys are going to look at it now and go, "Hey, guys, let's kind of tone that down a little bit." But right? it has it's all come it takes, a long, long way. Right. You know, from all it takes is a leader or two, though, right? To say yeah, that? for sure. But you know, it's from from when I came into the game. You know, like two thousand six. Yeah. With still hazing and all it's that. gone down 90 percent and and uh-huh. now it's it's you'd never do something like that to a teammate even with the with the um gay stuff that what's his name billy bean comes around not the not the gm but there's another billy bean right, he comes right, around yeah. he gives yeah. a speech right. just, yeah. i think you know as the culture in america's grown so is the culture in the clubhouses and, and that stuff's not really going to be accepted anymore um 
but you know, you got a guy like Aubrey Huff spouting off everything he spouts off. Oh my God. Um, that was normal, John man. Rocker looked uh, yeah, rational, that, man. That was normal when I came into the game. Oh. There was tons of guys like that. And you just thought that's the way grown men acted. I was 21. You know, I didn't, I didn't know any difference. Uh-huh. And I've, I definitely wasn't going to speak up being that young. Um, but that type of stuff, those type of guys, those type of characters, they're, they're really not accepted in a clubhouse anymore. And, and you see in how dated he's, he's making himself look with a lot of those statements he's making. He let himself look psychotic. Yeah. But that, you know, yeah. that's what, that was the game he came up in. And he's just, he still yeah. thinks he's just throwing clubhouse banter out there yeah. when he goes on Twitter and says some of the shit he says. Right. Um, but that's just, I, for me, as much as the, the country's grown and everything's changed in our country, I think the clubhouses have, have advanced a lot too, but Desmond came into the game, I think, like 2009, 2010. So I'm sure he still, you know, tasted a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he went back to Sarasota, like I said, looked at the old Little League fields where he grew up, where he he had a lot – he pointed out a lot of the big moments in his life that kind of set him on the right way. And a, like a coach giving him a hug when he was really struggling with some stuff. And, and, he, and he cited a bunch of stuff like that. And then he talked about how run down the fields are now. And it really kind of – it turned it, it it disappointed him and he saw that and he's and he and he hates the way that the youth baseball is going with travel ball we've Everybody talked about this that. eric how it's just it's yeah it's priced out so many guys like 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 he was he and desmond was and he's gonna he's gonna he said i'm not i'm not gonna be an mlb this year but i'm not gonna be away from baseball he said he's dedicated himself to trying to uplift and regenerate and uh and revive the little league programs and that kind of thing around where he grew up and i think that's great there needs to be more guys doing stuff like that and and i thought something he pointed out the hypocritical nature of this rbi program in that it's a great program but i hate that the it's like the only the way that a field can get built for these kids in parts of uh, the inner cities and how mlb has to do a damn commercial about it and write rbi and all this just do it just fund the stuff and not have to worry and do psas and everything you know what i mean just pour money into this stuff i mean adam jones yeah, I mean, for years and years, like Adam Jones has talked about how the Boys and Girls Club in San Diego essentially put him on this path, right? Got him out of, yep. you know, right. what may have been a worse path, right? And and kind of got on this path. And he's a guy who has kind of, you know, he's in Japan now. It's kind of been like, finally, you know, he's talked about this. He's 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 had fields built. He's done so much in the right. community. And those are the things that you're right, need to get done. And having been at MLB, um, for eight years, I can tell you that a big part of this is the PR is the, oh, we have these programs in place, but right. nobody is there to check. Are those programs productive? You know, exactly. is there actually people of color and minorities making these decisions or is it yeah. instead just like a, a simply a tax write off or a commercial yeah. to say, hey, we support this. And I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was incredibly tone deaf that all these um, club and league associated accounts are sharing Ian Desmond's post which calls out how the yeah. club and the league in general is failing yeah. to do yeah. all these things. So <laughs> exactly. it's like, oh, yeah, a great post, Ian. Like, why don't you do something about it? Yeah. Why don't you acknowledge that there is yeah. a problem, a systematic problem, and try to fix that um, instead of just sharing it because it's trendy? I mean, that's Instead that of using me, it. Right. That to me is just ridiculous. You know, they love to yeah. use Jackie Robinson yes. every year. Yes. I had to write a story about Jackie Robinson every year. I had to bug yeah. Adam Jones, who was kind of the token yeah. black guy with the Orioles yeah. about Jackie Robinson, but nobody yeah. really I wants to it. go beyond that. Right. Exactly. Well, and that's, you exactly. know, every year it's, it's just a way to sell product, man. It's, it's crass. I know that's a crass view of, but that's the way I feel. But if you're trying to grow the game, you know, I, when I was 10 years old, I didn't sit through a baseball game. 
I would watch an inning or two and I watched the highlights on SportsCenter. You grow the game. We're doing all this stuff in baseball, trying to cut out four minutes so it fits under a three-hour window. All these different changes to try to make the game more exciting. You know, I think the focus should be on getting kids to play it. And if you look at youth yes. baseball, yes. you come up through it and you have to play for a select team so that this other snake oil salesman can can get you on his select team and they're all scratching oh, each other's back. And if you don't play man. for the right select team, you're not making the varsity Perfect baseball game team. All, this. all of it. All I didn't play a single one of those things growing up. I played Little League Pony High School. That was it. Legion Ball. Uh and it, all of it was like a couple hundred bucks. If it costed a thousand or two thousand yes. to get on these teams, I wasn't gonna be on them. Um, exactly, right. man. And, and, and so imagine if, if, if a middle class no kid chance. like you or me couldn't do it, how about a poor kid? No chance. They're, they're looking at it going, well, I ain't going to do that sport. I'm going to go, I'm going to get a basketball and go play. I can go play on the court for free. But that's, that's where MLB needs to put their effort is into youth baseball and getting kids playing the game. Cause that's how you appreciate yes. it and love it. You know, if you've never tried to hit an 85 mile an hour yes. fastball, how are you going to appreciate 97 on TV? How are you going to appreciate poor, the whole runs? You know, it, pour the millions into that and not not all these commercials and uniforms for this day or that day. Pour the millions into give scholarships for these damn travel programs and these uh, East Cobb Little League. You know, I'm sure they have some type of grants, but do more of it so that a guy right. like Ian Desmond. It, you know, as a 10 year old is not intimidated by the fact that it's going to cost him a thousand dollars to play on this travel squad. When his friends are talking about how he's got to get a thousand dollars from it's their not parents, even an option you know? for most kids. And, no, and that's what you see no. too, is that youth baseball, they it's not even, that, man. it's not that even, it's got to stop. All these travel teams aren't the best kids. It's just the most no. willing parents. And no, exactly. you have these kids that suck that, that are beating out really talented athletes that wind up going to other sports because they just can't Mark afford Kotze to keep up. Yeah. It's, Mark Kotze pointed out, or Dansby pointed out, one of that one of the guys pointed out the little league teams that were in the little league world series because there's not even the best teams. No. Those are the teams that could afford to, go. to be there. Yeah. You know, that's terrible, man. Yep. yep. And Ian Desmond pointed that out in his post. The Nats Baseball yep. Youth Academy is something yep. they struggle to get funding with. And, you know, they actually lost the guy in Anthony Rendon this winter who was committed to it, who was giving his time and his money. And so these are the things people don't realize is who steps in to fill in for Anthony Rendon for that for that program that, you know, was such a in, integral part of Ian Desmond's time in D.C. That's what he remembers, the kid who he helped, yep. the kid who got murdered um, several yep. years later, you know, in a, in a bad area in D.C. What's to prevent you know, that program from going under, you're right. They need to, they need to commit money from the league, you know, from the players contracts, from whatever they need to fund. Every yeah. team should have something like the youth baseball Academy and there should be success stories and we should know about them. You know, it's just yeah. something that's kind of swept under the rug. Like, Oh, diversity. We checked that box with this program. Exactly. Uh, you we know? have the 42 jerseys that everybody are wearing and you can buy this and buy that. And we have a commercials just pour that money into youth programs to help kids who can't afford it, play travel ball and play whatever they need, whatever they need to do to be able to play the game, which because they can play football and basketball by going to the corner lot and, you know, and get on the, and get on the high school team or whatever. And it doesn't cost them a thousand dollars to play summer travel ball. Yeah, and you can't play baseball by yourself. You know, you can't no. practice baseball by yourself very well. You, you can take a basketball and go to a park to shoot and you can play a pickup yeah, game. Yeah, you don't see many Sandlot baseball games anymore. No. It just doesn't happen. There's not enough guys doing no. it. Yeah, it's, it's, that's for me, that's right. where the problem lies within, you know, growing Two guys game. can go shoot hoops, yep. you know, and play. Yep. Anyway, 
All right, well, we're roaming. We're all over the place. But it's important stuff, man, as we get started here. But uh, we're out of time with Britt. She's got to go. She's got other commitments. But we really appreciate your contributions, Britt, and thanks for uh, for everything. We'll see you uh, soon, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me, guys. It always flies by with you. I, I appreciate the conversation. Good. Awesome. <laughs> thanks for coming. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right, guys. Take care. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, continue here. Eric, with a couple more things just about this uh, Braves roster, all right? Okay. Came out with a 60-man uh, pool, which is actually 56, like I said. Uh, and and most of those guys, or not most of those guys, about 20 or so will start out at Gwinnett. That's where they'll train. This, they're calling them the satellite squad or the alternate squad. And then they'll have about 35 probably at, uh, at Truist Park beginning Friday. It's their first workout. Uh, and that'll be basically the truest parts going to be the guys that are going to be on the opening day, 30 man roster. And there might still be a couple of guys competing for spots, but basically that roster is set other than, you know, especially with it being 30 man. Cause there was guys competing for that final rotation spot. Well, now they'll both be on the team and a couple other relievers will be on the team and an extra catcher. So there's not much competition. So you might see only about 32 there, you know, at truest park, uh, the roster is basically set to, to start with. Now, when you go to 28, there might be decisions to be made. That'll be two weeks in. But uh, Alex said Cole's going to be ready. That's the plan. He was supposed to throw a BP – or I'm sorry, throw a uh, – a, uh, Live VP. Uh, a bullpen session on oh, Friday. Okay. No, a bullpen session on Friday. I was kind of surprised he's only thrown flat ground here all this time. But maybe that's just because he didn't know when they are going to restart. He knows there's only so much bullets left in that arm. I don't know. Yeah, but that's that's back to what I was talking about is you don't really know what guys are doing and guys don't really know what to do. You know, if you don't know when the season's yeah. going to start, you're not going to sit there and throw 70 innings, you know, at, at some high school field and just, you know, use up your bullets. Young guys, it's different. Sure. You know, it's easier to stay ready. But once you once, this, right. you know, your mileage starts piling up, you want to save as much as you can for the game. So he might just be one of those guys that's he might be a two or three inning guy for the first month of the season. You're planning on really, you know, yeah. counting on him for the playoffs. Versus maybe a guy like Fulty that's been throwing sim games this whole time. He's ready to go more four or five. But, you know, there's it's really nice that they did that that bigger roster because you're going to need it. Um, the only fear yeah. I have when I see these these shorter outings from the starters is, is how that's going to affect the bullpen because there's not many off days. No, there's only one every 10, 11 days. Yeah. Six, six off days and 66. Yeah, so. and you're going to have more relievers, but I – mean- but- but you got 30 pitchers, yeah. <laughs> including, how about this? How many left-handers? There's years where you might have two or three left-handers, tops yeah. on a team, one or two. Get this, the Braves 60-man pool, they, they're they not obviously gonna, all going to be on the 30-man roster to start with, but you have in the, in the pool, left-handers, Tucker Davidson, really good prospect. He could get in the majors this year for sure. Grant Dayton. Had time with the Dodgers and everything. Oh, by the way, it didn't point out Grant Dayton is one of the eleven guys in the big leagues this year who's not going to get any paycheck because he got more in his advance <laughs> in that part than his prorated salary would be. I wonder if he's going to opt out. <laughs> he doesn't. I could, huh? He already got paid. No, that would, that wouldn't reflect well. I, I think he'd have to give that money back if he opted yeah. out. I don't know what the rules are on that, but he's not getting any paycheck though. Um, Max Free. Cole Hamels, Tyler Matzik, that, that's the guy that used to be the Rockies' yeah. first-rounder that wrote about this spring, had a really good spring. It's, he had the yips for a couple mm-hmm. years, sidetracked him. Looked great this spring, man. I think we could see him big time this this year. A.J. Minter, he's really struggling to get it back, what he used, what the once pro- promising prospect. 
Kyle Muller, big beast, 6'7", 100 mile an hour, driveline guy. Throw him in the pan. <laughs> yeah. Sean Newcomb. Phil Pfeiffer, guy from Vandy. Real good real good stuff. Chris Rusin. Jared Schuster, the first rounder. And Will Smith. That's a hell of a lefty squad, huh? Yeah, they got some, they got some choices to make. They're not going to be hard choices <laughs> either. You know, Some big dudes. A lot of stuff. Got some stuff. From. Then your right-handers. Ian Anderson, stud, uh, top pro- pitching prospect in the organization, unless one of these new draft picks unseats him, but he's number one right now. Jaseel De La Cruz, hard thrower, big dude, uh, tall guy. Mike Fulte, Shane Green, Felix Hernandez, Luke Jackson, Chris Martin, Mark Melanson, Darren O'Day, Chad Sabatka, Mike Soroka, Josh Tomlin, Tukey, Jacob Webb, you really like him. He come back from uh, the impingement. He had the yeah. arthroscopic in September. Good for him to so have a short year. Back to what he was. Yeah, uh, he could be that last spot in the in the bullpen that's loaded with all those veterans. Uh, Patrick Weigel, another hard thrower, came back from TJ surgery. Big dude. Uh, Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, know about him? He looked great this spring. Made some adjustments. And Huascar Yanoa, whose name I cannot pronounce, but it also throws hard. Uh, that's a, that the makings are there for a hell of a pitching staff. That's they've had in a while, I think. Yeah, yeah, and you know, just it's more than anything. You just you're wondering what the starters can, how how much they're going to be built up. Um, what what yeah. Felix, you know, I've been thinking about Felix too. What this layoff's going to do for him because he was just re-energized. He looked like a new man. Um, but I've seen him. He, he posts his videos. He's he's staying ready and everything. Um, I don't know. If, he's jacked up, isn't he? He's got to be. Um, yeah, he's talked about it. And you know, if you're in if you're in Felix's shoes, you go out and have two really dominant months. Um, it's almost a good thing to have a shorter season because it's less time yep. to get exposed. Yeah, or to get hurt. Yeah, or to get hurt. How do these guys build up though? If you're only going, you know, you're you're only gonna have three weeks, and then you're gonna have two or three innings in your first two starts. How do you build up? Because that would be normally you're building up in spring training, unless you're already built up. And that carries over, but that's you're talking about a long time since you were at spring training. Yeah, you know, if you like when we talked to Fulty, this was what a month and a half ago, he was still throwing three inning sim games. So if he's kept that up, you know, you, you're getting used to standing up. And the hardest part for, for starters is, is sitting down and, and getting going again. You know, that's what that's what yeah. they have to practice and, and get used to and the overall pitch count. But, um, you know, it's it's that's that's why. I, that's why it's such a big roster because they know that's going to be a problem for a lot of guys. But yeah, um, and then and they're going to lose guys to injuries to COVID nineteen. They'll probably lose one or two at least for that. We just don't. know. But even the end of spring training and a normal spring training, you'll see the starters go six, and they're only going to have oh, yeah. a couple two two and a half weeks or so to to get up to to game speed and, and get going. And, and you don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's you're not going to want to push guys at all. If if you're a manager, why they're saying you think two or three. Yep, you see your your guy kind of start hitting a wall. You're not going to want him to push through it. But you know, I was thinking that when Britt was saying Scherzer going two or three, I, I good luck taking the ball from him. Oh, he'll go seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, it's going to be a case by case basis. But you, you have to have a really uh, keen eye and just be watching your starters close if you're managing. Yeah, you're not going to let your Sorokas and your your Freeds go out there and risk injury, man. For this, you're just not going to do it. You're going to be overly cautious because yeah. this you you write it off as a, you know, you hope to win a World Series this year, but you write it off as far as a, you know, you, you certainly don't want a guy like that to get hurt. You're willing to to be overly yeah. cautious rather than get a guy like that and, hurt and have it carry over to you next know year. with a lot of new people watching baseball. Um, it's not necessarily the product you want to present. All these pitching changes that are going to happen, but yeah. you just got to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Catchers, you got Logan Brown, the guy I just mentioned. I'm going to write something about him. William Contreras, top catching prospect, son of the uh, son, <laughs> brother of the Cubs catcher. Uh, Travis Darno brought him in from, from the Rays and Mets. Uh, looked good in spring. Tyler Flowers, he and Darno will split the duties. I'm not sure how that mix will go. I'm guessing Darno will get more of the starts, but with with 10 games out of every 11 days, they're both going to catch eight a lot. I'd almost go um, back to just one day on, one day off with the catchers. Maybe. And you're starting in the heat of summer, yeah. too. You know, you're not even starting with cool weather. No. Uh, Alex Jackson, Shea Langoliers, stud from Baylor. They got last year first round. Uh, we could see him this year, but I doubt it. Probably He's probably a year away. He's one of those guys that's going to be in camp to get reps. You know, and catch the other guys, learn the pitchers. Yeah. But just to get reps rather than have a whole lost season. He and uh he and Contreras both, I think more reps than anything. Uh and John because barring injury, you're not gonna need, you know, more than Darno and Flowers. Now one of those guys might get dinged up for fifteen days or whatever, ten Yeah, days. but that's something we didn't talk about either, is the catcher's gotta build up to catching nine innings. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't Absolutely. even imagine. I think the catchers will probably be going four, three, four, five innings when the game when the games start. Because Tyler's got five kids, and he said he hasn't been, he wasn't working out a whole lot until the last couple of weeks when it when he realized they were going to get something done. He started ramping up his his workouts, but he hasn't been you know doing some squatting and everything. But before that, he was kind of re, 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 rehabilitating, you know, as far as just resting, getting strong, and and being Mister Mom. Five kids, man. Five kids is probably way harder than catching nine innings on the body. <laughs> That's a lot of work. He's, uh, I I wanted to ask him: Is he trying to catch keep up with Chipper? Got three more. <laughs> yeah. Chip didn't get cheated. Three more, and you could have Flowers versus uh, Chipper baseball game. <laughs> we got uh, Shea Langlers and then Jonathan Morales. So you got a full complement of catchers, and who knows, man? They could still go out and get a uh, a veteran type guy in case one of those guys does get hurt. You know, I, honestly, that, I would. Could, I would think you might start the season with four catchers. I would, I would, and I wouldn't surprise me if they go out and get a veteran journeyman because all those guys are young guys or inexperienced guys that you're looking. You need at a, there. you need a Gerald Laird. You can just beat the shit out of, yes. you know, somebody you don't care about, doesn't care about himself yeah. that you can just throw back there and and basically, yeah. you know, like a long man out of the bullpen, somebody that could just especially eat innings. If, especially if Flowers or or Darno were to get hurt and go on the ten day DL. Yeah, and that's the other yeah. hard part about just you know bringing a rookie or somebody. You, you want some experience yeah. back there for sure. So yeah. you're not just going to want to throw a rookie that hasn't hasn't dealt with the big leagues and big league hitters and big league pitchers before. So so that won't. Alex has done a little bit. Alex Jackson, but not a lot. And wouldn't surprise me if they picked up a catcher one that comes available. Got to be a few floating around. Some, yep. Outfielders, Acuna, Duvall, Diabetes, but he says he's, he told uh, Flowers and told Alex that he intends to play. He's fired up to play. So he's type one. He's a high risk. Type one diabetes guy's a high risk. See where the pouch? That category. Yes. Yeah. The glucose pump. Yep. That's uh, into his body. Yes. Uh, Ender Enciarte, Nick Marcakis, Marcelo Zuna, Christian Pache, Andrew Waters. Waters made it too. Hmm. Which another guy get reps. He won't be ready for the big leagues this year, barring some, you know, a bunch of rash of injuries, and he really comes along. But uh, he, they wanted him to get reps. He's too valuable to just sit out the year yeah. and hope that he can play in instructs because they're not even sure about instructs or winter ball. They're not. They, they, there's nothing firm in place yet about how what kind of leagues there's going to be for these guys to play in. Yeah, and you you losing if they, if they don't do any of this, you're losing a whole year of development. And I was every time I see Acuna's name, man, I just think. You know how bad it sucks that you don't get to see what he could have done this year. I mean, you're gonna get yeah. you're gonna get to watch him play, but 
I mean, 40, he came in talking about 50, 50 and there's reason to think Maybe. like, man, he might pull that off. You know, yeah, he's so talented. Yeah. It's, it's tough missing a full season of, of him playing at this age. 2020 would be the 50, 50 now. Yeah, it would. That'd be, but that'd be, I mean, even that's far fetched. <laughs> yeah. 18, 18 would be more like yeah. it. Try to go for that. <laughs> 15, 15 is going to be a real solid season. Yeah. That's a good year. Uh, infielders, Ozzy Albies. Then you got a few, uh, you got a couple of journeymen, guys have been around types, that, uh, utility types, and uh, Yonder Alonzo, Yang Gervy, Salarte, remember him at the Padres mm-hmm. a few years ago? Yoan Camargo, obviously. Charlie Culberson made it, obviously. Freddie Freeman, Adani, Echeverria is your top utility guy, and unless they have him and uh, Camargo in that, you don't know. Pete Cosma, Peter O'Brien, I was hoping he'd get it, the guy with the big power. Yeah. Strikes out a ton, but he can hit at 500 feet at any on at any given time. Um, Austin Riley, Braden Shoemake, he was the first rounder a year ago at a Texas A and M uh, shortstop, but but a really really good looking prospect as far as a guy can move around the infield, I think, and and put the bat on the ball, contact hitter. They really like what they see from him. Slender guy needs to put on some weight, but they really like what they, he's a ball player, man. They think he's going to be a guy that can. You know, a carpenter type maybe yeah. put on a little weight and put on some power, but he's a that kind of player. They really like him, and uh, and Dansby. So I like their I like their pool. They're fifty six, and they probably add a couple. They'll add a few more either prospects or guys they sign off the scrap heap. I like the youth too. I think youth's going to be a, yeah. a huge benefit this season. You know, like talking about guys, older guys trying to get through. You know, having to change their whole routine up and trying to feel good every day. When you're young, you have a lot better shot at just, you know, freestyling it and feeling good anyway because you're yeah. just young. So that, that youth is really going to help this team too. Yeah, I think they're going to have a good mix of Gwinnett, a spirited camp, yeah. you know. Good type guy. I'm sure they thought about the character of some of these guys there too because when you got guys that are just working out every day and you're going to have them exposed to your young guys, I don't think character is never more important than it's going to be there with those guys. I mean, they need to see – Good examples, just like they see in the major league clubhouse. Oh, you know, exactly. If you have some salty vet that's pissed he's not on the thirty man, yeah, and he's just exactly. dragging his ass through everything. I mean, that just rolls downhill. You definitely you want guys that are that are enthusiastic and excited about it. So you, you definitely don't want too many. We just got to pick your veterans carefully because they're going to set that whole vibe. I mean, it it could get real boring down there playing inter squad every day, mm-hmm. and you know, numbers are rewarding in baseball. You know, when you look up at the scoreboard and you have a one five ERA or you're hitting three twenty or something like that, they're not going to have numbers to chase or any kind of little side game to play. It's just going to be they almost. I think they should keep stats honestly, whatever they're doing, just to motivate Down the there. guys and and let them know how they're yeah. doing and everything. But yeah, that could. You're right. That could get really uh, dull. So you're going to need good influences up top. And it helps when you're only. Uh... 35 miles away from the big league park. And it, it yeah. probably just feels like you're that much closer. You could be there at any moment. Yeah. And they'll be able literally. to watch the games too. Yeah. You could, I'm sure they'll have a lot of the young kids come over and watch the games at night. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, what the rules are on all that, but if they could, you know, just sit in the stands and just watch it, watch it play out. You got nothing better to do. Yeah. That's a good point. You can't, <laughs> I forgot about the yeah. lack of <laughs> crowds, but I would think they could watch either in the, I don't know. They better watch on TV <laughs> though, you know, it's so tight. Everything's so tight. I don't even want to speculate that yeah. they're going to clubhouse and watch. I mean, it is, man, it is. I'm guessing no. Dude, it is locked down, yeah. man. The media rules, everything. The rules, it is locked But it has to be. They're doing everything the, they can. I know. It's the only chance they got to get through the only chance because. Without having an outbreak. The only chance. Yep. 
We can't even go down on the field or roam around the ballpark. We can't go. We, we got to go up the elevator or preferably up the stairs. But if we take the elevator, only two people on the elevator up to the press box, stay in your assigned place, do the interviews on Zoom. Mm. There's not going to be many people traveling, I don't think, many reporters, because you really don't serve any purpose other than to see maybe some things on the field that TV doesn't catch. That's the only thing. That's the only thing you get out of being there. Or if something were to happen at the team hotel or whatever, or you you know run into a guy in the lobby or that kind of thing. But they're going to stress to their players go straight from your room to the you know to the bus to the ballpark. So they're not going to be hanging out anyway. Yeah, and that's another area that you know leadership's going to come into play. Um, yeah. there's going to be some guys just like our yeah. entire country's arguing over everything. There's going to be some guys that, that don't think it's a big deal and yeah. want to go out and do different and things and, and you're putting your whole team at risk. So, you, you know, you got to have, it's just all so complicated, but you're going to have to have, all it takes is one guy, yep. man. But yeah. Yeah. And he, and he does, and he's asymptomatic and he's coming in and shedding that virus. He gets it the night before or something. You know what I yep. mean? Yeah. And there's, you know, there's so much unknown about this whole damn thing. That's what really makes it even harder to deal with or, or predict, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. You don't know how this, every day they're finding out something new about this damn virus, man. I know one thing I wouldn't want to piss Tyler flowers off. Got five, a wife and five kids at home. He's pretty, <laughs> he's a pretty big intimidating guy. I think that's going to be your go-to guy to kind of enforce all the protocol. And he lives here. So yeah. he's going home every night to that yeah. wife and five yeah, kids. He's going to be, and Nick Marcakis yeah. does too, yeah. or he's going to have his kids down here. And Nick Marcakis, his parents live here. Oh, they do? Uh, and he sees them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to piss him no, off. <laughs> no, so the Braves are in good shape. <laughs> they are. They really <laughs> Two are. Two guys I wouldn't want to yeah. rub the wrong way. Freddie will have his kid here. Charlie will be here. Yep. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, we got baseball. We're going to have it soon at least. Hopefully. Knock on wood. First workout's when? They start When's working out Friday. 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 Nice. Friday. They're doing their testing uh, starting uh, Wednesday, Thursday. Guys are arriving now. In, in into Atlanta, doing all the screening, tons of stuff to do. So, yeah, just get to Friday. Yeah. All right. So, we'll uh, we'll talk again and update everybody on how this thing's moving along. But it's it's happening, folks. Moving. At least so far, it's happening. <laughs> all right. All right. Seven fifty-five is real. We'll talk to y'all later. <laughs>